all our lives, we've been told to go to school, get good grades, get a good job, and you'll be set. How's that working out for you? I'm Tavana Denise, physical therapist turned life and business coach, and I'm on a mission to help you create a life you love and a business on your terms. If you want more time, more freedom, more flexibility, I can help you create it. Welcome to Breaking Protocol, the show for women in healthcare who want more. All right, welcome back to Breaking Protocol. And I am so excited as usual when I have a guest here because today we are talking about making the leap from patient care to coaching. And I've talked a little bit on the podcast about what it's been like for me to go from treating patients 19 years to running my coaching business full time. But I wanted to connect with other women who have a background in healthcare and have them share their stories. Because one, I don't think you believe me sometimes about the drama and the struggle. And two, I think a lot of us are afraid to take the leap because we haven't seen others like us doing it. So that said, we have a little treat. You will also be able to see this interview on my YouTube channel. Just go to Tavana Denise if you want to see these lovely faces that I'm looking at right now. And also when things don't quite work out like we thought they would, we kind of throw our hands up and think, well, shoot, business must not be for us. And so I think it's helpful to hear what others have experienced so that we kind of normalize it and we don't quit on ourselves when we might be just there or this is just normal. So let me introduce you to four other women in healthcare who are breaking protocol. One, so we know who's in the room and then two, we can get to the juicy stuff. So I am joined by Dr. Nora Vasquez, who is the founder of Renew Your Mind MD and a board certified internal medicine physician. As a physician life coach, she helps doctors create a resilient mindset to better manage the stress of practicing medicine to avoid burnout. Her mission is to heal the healers and help her clients achieve their personal and professional goals. We also have Sharina, who is a nurse by training, a free-spirited rebel, wife and mother, life coach who just believes that we are here to experience life in a big way. She works with leaders, entrepreneurs, and high achievers who want and believe they can have it all. And then we have Sarah. She is a physical therapist with multiple degrees in health and PT, a personal trainer, and she has specialties in nutrition and ergonomics. She believes in providing lifestyle medicine to improve health, treating the mind and the body, and opened her practice in 2016 to offer a more holistic approach to healthcare. Because Sarah understands that exercising and eating right can seem daunting, she helps her clients develop easy, obtainable programs that fit into their busy schedules. And I have seen her Instagram is super fun to look at. So yeah, you should check her out. And then Charmaine Platten, she is a BSN RN and also known as the sugar cravings coach. She's a certified life and weight loss coach, a registered nurse who at one time was borderline pre-diabetic, even though she was in the best physical shape of her life. And I can't wait to hear this story. She's on a mission to prevent diabetes across the globe by empowering people with self-care tools to manage their food cravings without feeling deprived. 
So welcome. Thank you ladies for being here and for joining me. I'm super excited. So let's start with Charmaine. Tell me a little bit about how you got into your practice and tell me all about how you had pre-diabetes, but you were in the best physical shape of your life. Hey everyone. So thank you so much for that lovely introduction, Tavana. I'm so excited to be here in this room. It's so empowering. I, I just love it. So a little background. I, I'm kind of like Sarah. I was also a certified personal trainer a few years ago. I was such a fitness junkie. I loved doing obstacle course races. I was trying to get on American Ninja Warrior at some time, like on the show and I was doing a lot of stuff. So I had all the muscles, but I never paid attention to my nutrition. I think we all know, right? How the break rooms are like in the hospital, how the staff break rooms have all the cookies and cakes. So when I was at work, I found myself in this pattern. Like I would never want to prepare my food. I hated cooking. I was always so busy. I didn't want to prioritize my self-care, my food. So I'd always eat that food in the break room. I would eat out all the time at McDonald's after work, Starbucks before work and Subway during work. So I would eat that every day in the shift. And over time, like I just went to routine doctor's appointment in November, 2017. And I had a hemoglobin A1C of 5.9. For some of you who don't know, the A1C level is, it's a test that helps you diagnose diabetes and mine was pre-diabetic and it had never been that high. That was devastating for a nurse like me. So that really got me to look at what I'm eating. And I learned a whole bunch of stuff about sugar and how processed foods really catapult your insulin and how that causes your blood sugar to spike and have insulin resistance. So it was a big eye opener for me and it changed my life doing that. So I wanted to teach everyone else how to do that too. Yeah, because I think sometimes people think, oh, diabetes is for people who are quote unquote overweight or at a higher BMI, but you're like, no, I was fit and mm -hmm. I still was pre-diabetic. So I love that that's your mission now to go and help eradicate diabetes. So let's go with you, Sarah. Tell me, how did you get into what you do? So I definitely was, you know, your traditional outpatient physical therapist in a private practice. And over the years, I've been practicing for many, many years, I just felt really kind of boxed in with what I was able to do with my clients because of insurance. And I had so many clients that rehab their knee, but then they wanted to know more about how do they exercise safely so they don't hurt themselves again. Or we talked a lot about what foods they were eating and, and they didn't have any understanding of oh, you know, I should be drinking this much water or having protein is going to help my body heal better and things like that. So I, I just started to think like, this is not great. Like I'm not offering all that I can to my clients and my patients. So I kind of opened up this side hustle in 2016 where some of my physical therapy clients have said, you know, listen, I offer these services where we can look at your whole health and figure out what is the best plan for you? What are you eating? What can fit into your lifestyle? How are you exercising? Are you even exercising? Do you have an exercise program? Do you understand the difference between strength training and aerobic training? So um, it really allowed me to kind of expand and really be more of a help to people. I found that it was really rewarding because people trust you so much more. They'll call me or email me like, I have this going on and like, I don't know what to do. I, I have no idea. I don't know. Should I go to the doctor? Should I go to the emergency room? I don't know. Like I'm the first person they come to. So it's just, it's really nice that I am now kind of more of this like holistic person that they can go to and they can trust. 
I just found it not so draining anymore with dealing with the insurances and all of that and just being really limited. I mean, there was nothing worse than telling someone like, look, your insurance isn't covering this anymore. And they were like, okay, well, I don't know what to do now. You know, so it's just a a letdown for everyone. So when they get into this more holistic approach, it's kind of start taking a step back and saying, look, like this is more important than what your insurance is going to tell you. This is your health. This is your life. So like, let's get everything together and figure out a good plan for you. Yeah. I think that is so key when you were talking about not feeling like you were helping to your fullest capacity and not, and it being draining dealing with the insurances. And I wonder if that no, I wonder, I know that it's one of the things that's leading to a lot of burnout for a number of our colleagues. So Nora, tell us, like, how did you get into burnout and resilience and thriving for physicians? Yeah, I think my journey into medicine was bright eyed, bushy tail. I'm going to save the world. You know, as you come as a medical student to the to medicine, you're just so enthused and excited to help people and serve. And I think as you go through your medical training and then you start to practice in modern day medicine, you start to deal with the challenges of a broken system and of troubles with insurance. And, you know, as a physician, it takes a toll. It takes a toll on your ability to impact change. And I think in the last few years of practice, I started to notice a lot of negative self-talk and just feeling overwhelmed by my inability to lead in the way that I wanted to, to enact change, to serve my patients. And, you know, I speak for a lot of physicians, there is burnout and it was real. And it's, it was even there before COVID. And now with COVID, we're seeing the ramifications it's having. 1.5 million healthcare professionals were furloughed or laid off you know, between February and May of this year. And it's taken a tremendous toll. You know, I've seen it in my friends and colleagues and my personal life, you know, have been affected by it. And I just knew that there's got to be a better way. And it was during that um, time, that season where I was just like, this can't be it. <laughs> you know? Right. I found coaching and it was so transformative, just made such a difference in my life, in my personal and professional relationships and my ability to show up in the world, to serve my patients, and then to also come home and have enough time and energy for my family. And so I saw physician coaching as the answer to healing the healers. And that was always my question. Whenever I would go to like CME conferences, you know, they talk about yoga and like taking time for yourself. But I was like, really, who's healing the healers, you know, and mm -hmm. they need to have the tools and the ability to help themselves thrive in an environment that is so challenging, you know? And so when I found that solution, it just inspired me to take action and to be that change I wanted to see in medicine. That's why I developed RenewYourMindMD.com where I can provide physician life coaching to help physicians thrive in this time. Oh, that's so beautiful. The similar thing happened to me as I noticed the, the burnout happening and I'm like, oh my goodness, I know the answer <laughs> now that I had gone through life coach training and I turned and said, well, let me see if I can help my colleagues. And it just started kind of on the side and then it turned into a program and now they're, they're doing their thing with it. So I, I can appreciate that so much. Like we're giving of ourselves all the time and who's giving to us, who's refilling our cup for sure. So when I think about you, Sharina, you have an interesting story that I didn't tell in the bio, but I know there was a pit stop on the way to coaching. So tell us about that. Yes, I had a serious pit stop. So I left nursing to become a stay-at-home mom. And in that transition, I felt the need to do something like 
I'm so used to taking care of people and being around people and the busyness of nursing. And so I started a photography business and I shot weddings and I had the perfect scenario of the elderly patient, the bride, the whole family, the drama. I had the beauty. I had it all. So I was in heaven. And so that was my first tiptoe into entrepreneurship. And I did a lot of things wrong and a lot of things right. And it was in that moment that I realized that I was having this identity crisis, like I had lost who I was and trying to redefine who I was as a mom, you know, not being a nurse anymore after being in healthcare forever. Like I was the nurse's nurse, like that was my identity and just learning to use my skill sets from nursing and my photography business and now in coaching and tweaking what I didn't know the first time and incorporating that in my coaching practice. So coaching for me, the thing I had to work on was my identity and just finding who I was and then, then deciding who I was going to become. And so my journey allowed me to do that. So it served me in every way. So you hit on a really big topic there that I'd love for us all to kind of touch on if we can, in terms of the identity, like there is a ingrained identity. It's like when people ask, who are you? What do you do? It's your name and what your profession is. Yeah. Name and profession, name and profession. So it is so deep in there. And so how did you all deal with making the transition just from an identity standpoint? Like, do you still identify as a nurse or a doctor or a physical therapist, or do you identify as a coach now? Like, how do you identify yourself and how did you manage that identity transition? So I'll go first real quick. So for me, in the beginning, I was a nurse, even as a photographer, like I was taking care of that bride and like the bells ringing. I'm like, I'm here to answer your call light. (laughs) Except there was no call light. It was just in my mind. But I will say it served my clients very well. But eventually I had to realize that my identity had nothing to do with what I was doing in that moment. Like I'm a nurse. And then I was a mom, but even being a mom, even though it's wonderful, that's not all of who I am. Mm -hmm. And when I learned the skill of photography, that was not all of who I was. And then life coaching tool set, that's not all of who I am. And then there's the entrepreneur toolkit that, you know, so I have now allowed myself to be very fluid in the tools I use and just anchored into this, I'm Sharina, and I'm growing and evolving every day. And I just have all these toolkits, and I can just pull them all out, put them together, you know, make a little gumbo, like, I don't know, but we're just (laughs) figuring it out. Like, I'm just working with what I got. So I just give myself permission to be very fluid, and not very static in my identity. So it took me a minute to get there, but I'm, I'm there. Yeah, because I think it's like, I don't know if you said identity crisis, but I can say for myself, I straight up had an identity crisis. And I think, I don't think I've said this on the podcast before, but for a whole year at the life coach school, we do a mastermind and they gave us a couple of shirts that said life coach 
on the front. And I wore that shirt every night because I think I was trying to tell my brain that, no, we're a life coach now. Don't just automatically say I'm a physical therapist. No, we're a life coach now. So did anybody else have any experiences with the identity that they wanted to share? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, as a physician, you're kind of ingrained, like this is who you are. I mean, you've dedicated years and years and years to achieve this. And then you're like, what am I doing? You know, but you know, the way I saw it, I'm a woman of faith. And so I just really feel like God just like showed me and revealed to me like how I can serve in a different way that was still valuable and was still in service of others, was still in medicine, but improving medicine for for everybody. You know, how can we make this a more humane, hospitable, supportive and uh, culture change that we want to see in medicine? And so I'm still a physician at heart. I, I love taking care of patients. And I think that's still, you know, part of me. But I, I also, there's so much more that we all have to offer you know, and so I, I love how, you know, Sharina says, like, it's fluid, we are always evolving and learning and growing. And, and it's an amazing thing, you know, mm-hmm. it really is. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I still struggle with that identity. I mean, I wanted to be a physical therapist at the age of 12. And, you know, that was my goal, like, I'm going to be a PT, and I'm going to be a doctor of physical therapy, and I'm going to get all these certifications, I'm going to be super PT and in orthopedics. And, I think um, it is, it is a struggle. It's in what I, what I tell myself is you're not just a PT. You, you do a lot of other things and you have a lot of knowledge and other things. So you don't have to stay in this box. And I think that's, what's hard too, is that what I found in medicine is when you, when you are a PT and someone's like, Oh, okay, well you just do exercises. Like, no, we know way more than that. So it's just kind of educating people and telling yourself like, it's okay to, to be different and, and that people don't understand you know, it's your opportunity to educate them and show them what all they do. I think that's what's so funny about my Instagram page is that a lot of my friends are like, wait, I didn't know that you, wait, like you're into nutrition. You know how to cook? What? I don't understand. Why I don't get that. <laughs> so I think, it, and I think with COVID, it's been a little bit crazy for me because it really threw my whole plans off. So I've really had to like quickly pivot and I think it's been really scary and overwhelming because I'm like, what am I doing every day? But I've really been able to, to really work on my business and develop some new programs and really be more with social media, as Tavania said. So it's been kind of fun and scary at the same time. Yes, that's a big 10 for Charmaine, tell us about yours and we'll get back to the scary business. Oh, yes. I can't wait to get into that. But um, I do want to just say that um, for me, um, being a nurse was not only like an identity in terms of me as a person, but also a big cultural identity, um, just because I come from a Filipino family and a lot of Filipinos are nurses and it's really seen as like a status to have that job. And being in a business is completely not secure and completely stupid and irresponsible almost. So to be in this position where I was in UCLA, I was in a really top ranked hospital. And then for my family to be really proud of that. And also my mom's a nurse, my twin sister, and I'm the older twin, but she's also a nurse to have that. And then to take that away, a lot of people won't understand that. It's almost like you're telling your parents, yeah, I just want to like, you know, go homeless now. (laughs) So, (laughs) so it was a big cultural shift. And also just in my family, like how 
do I tell my parents this when it's completely a secure, well-paying job with great benefits. So um, that was the thing I was coming up against too. So it was a big shift for me. I needed to hire a one-on-one coach just to get through the identity part of like when I left my job this year, it was really like I needed a coach because I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? I'm so used to being told what to do. Like, what do I do now? Mm, that that's huge. And I want to say something that I just had my own personal mindset shift around. So maybe it'll help you or other people is like, we have this belief that being in healthcare or education, because I'm from a family of educators is quote unquote secure. And Nora just pointed out that like, what was it? 1.5 million healthcare providers got furloughed or let, let go. And I was one of the contractors that was furloughed, I guess. And then I just decided to exit stage left. But it's like, we think that it's not secure to be in business, but really it's one of the most secure things simply because you know what's happening. You're in the boardroom, you're calling the shots. So you can really just say, oh, we don't have enough clients. We need to go get more clients. It's not like, oh, let me go to work today. And they give you a pink slip. You're like, oh, shoot, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know, and I have nothing. I have no power to do anything else with it other than beg for my job or go look for another job. So that's one of the things I think about that. But OK, so you talked about letting your just letting your job go this year. And I use COVID as my exit. I was like, OK, I was slow walking it out anyway. And then they furloughed me in and I was like, OK, I'm just not coming back. So Charmaine, how did you make that transition? Was it just cold turkey? Did you have a full caseload in your coaching practice? Like how did what did that look like? And what was the scariest part about the transition for you? Oh, gosh, even like thinking about it now, I'm getting like palpitations of that moment. But um, oh, no. I had been in my nursing job. I was a psychiatric nurse, like medical psych for eight years. So I was working a lot of dementia patients and depression, bipolar, schizophrenia. So it was similar to Savannah with the COVID. When COVID hit, um, I was working per diem. So I was only working about one to two shifts a week to work on my business already. But I was not being called in. I kept being canceled because of COVID because there isn't a lot of psych patients. You know, we don't want COVID patients in psych as much as possible. So um, I was being canceled a lot. At that point, I had um, about like nine one-on-one clients. I was also in a lot of committees at work. I was like chair of my unit practice council and being involved in leadership. But it was at this point where my attention was so divided that I didn't want to pull time away from the hospital because I knew I wasn't giving it my all anymore because I wanted to focus on my clients and my business. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just make more money on my own with my business. I'm being canceled so much. So I made that decision decision like end of April to leave during COVID. And it's turned out well, I'm imagining. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it is so interesting, right? Like you're afraid to take the leap or I'll say I was afraid to take the leap and then it ended up being better than I could have ever imagined. So who else had an experience like that they transitioned in it? Oh, yeah, Sarah, tell us, tell us. <laughs> so yeah, before all of this, I was working for a, a medium sized private practice in New York City. And I had worked my way up from being like a part timer to being an executive director. And kind of uh, beginning of 2020, there was it was in talks of becoming like in the C-suite. And we I knew that the company actually had some financial troubles, which was part of why I was trying to kind of get into the position there to really see what's going on and to help them because 
that was kind of where I was working on the executive level with some of the other partners in the company. And when COVID broke out, it was like, it was bananas. Like everything just went crazy, you know, not to mention we were in New York city and that was crazy too. So first we had to shut our midtown clinic. So we had to furlough everyone there. Um, we had to shut two of our other clinics and some people still chose to kind of come in. So we were able to keep one of the other clinics open, but, um, basically we furloughed everyone. I went out on furlough just cause I'm like, listen, my caseload isn't that big. Like who needs to work? Let's get them in there. Like all furlough. And then by the beginning of April, I was like, this is not going to be good. So I think I just need to get out. And I had plans already to go off into my own practice, the, the practice I started in 2016, I had plans to kind of start that more full time and to kind of exit eventually, but this just kind of like flung me right into it. And so, yeah, I mean, I had conversations with them. Um, I think the beginning of May was like, look, like no one's working full time. Like this, this isn't going to work out. Like, and I can just, I could just see the writing on the wall, which it was hard because I was with the company for so long and it was scary to let go. And it was a shock to the whole entire company. But I know right now for my stress levels, it was like this huge weight like went off my shoulders. I was just like, oh my gosh, now I'm scared about my own business and practice, but it's totally different. It's my own stress. It's my own stuff that I can control a little bit more. So yeah, so cool. What about you, Nora? Yeah, just making that transition. It is scary. You know, it's like in medicine or in healthcare, you know, you know, the track you know, you know, you got to get the grades, you know, you graduate, you get to, to, you know, medical school, you got to get into medical school, then you get residency, and then you get, you know, attending a fellowship. And, and so it's all laid out for you. And as an entrepreneur, it's wide open, you get to decide. And that's the amazing part is that you now control your destiny. But there's no like real track, you know, it's not like, here's a checklist, go do this, this, and this, and then it's laid out. It's kind of like you're developing it. And I think that's where a lot of uh, physicians, colleagues of mine, you know, that are transitioning to doing other things is where we kind of like, is like, what? Like, I actually have to like, I, I get to decide everything, you know, I get, you know, it's not laid out for me nicely where I just check off the boxes. And so it's freeing, but it's also kind of intimidating because we're always trying to look outside like, well, who, you know, what's the next step? And it's like, well, you decide what the next step is, you know, in your business. And so that's what's, what's been so interesting in this journey. Yeah. I think it's like the protocols and the pathways that we follow work very well in one industry, but they don't work well in entrepreneurship, but that's so ingrained in us that it really can, it really can mess us up. And I think a lot of people are self-diagnosed perfectionists and they're afraid of making mistakes. And so how do you all handle what is perceived as mistakes or failure in your business? Let's go with you, Sharina. Okay, so I have this example that I used very early on in my business, and I just equated it to wound care. When you're doing wound care, you, you don't know what's going to work. You really don't know what's going to work. And you get the order, and you try it, and you're doing the dressing changes, and you're evaluating, but you don't know what's going to, you don't know what's going to work. So when it stops working, you get a new order. You, tr you try something different. And literally, that's 
I'm telling you, that gave me so much peace. I'm like, it worked on humans. It can work in my business. Like, mm -hmm. this is not a problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, seriously, that that was my, this is like womb care. You just do it. You tweak it. You change it. You BID dressings or, or whatever. Like, give me something. And I just allowed myself the permission to say, if it worked on humans, it can work on this business. And I just, I just went with it. So oh, I love that so much. Love that so much. So how, how do Sarah, how do you deal with fear of mistakes and failure in your business? I think I just keep telling myself, well, you just got to keep going. You know, if it doesn't work, like we were just saying it, you just try something different. You just mix it up. You know, we didn't get that many hits on that Instagram. Okay. Try something different. Talk about something different just keep trying different stuff. And what's been helpful too, is just talking to my friends and family and be like, well, what is it that you want to learn about? What do you want to know about? Like, what, what can I help you with? And so doing that and just even asking those questions on social media, it's been interesting to see some of the responses. And I was like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's a good idea. I should do something like that. But I think it's just keeping like keeping an open mind and just keep telling yourself, keep going. Like there's really no rules. <laughs> no rules at all. Okay. Well, what about you, Nora? Yeah, I think just keeping an open mind is super important. And then also, you know, talking to your colleagues that are in this journey with you, you know, and that's been so comforting is just to like collaborate and talk and just create your community of like-minded people that share your enthusiasm and your excitement for this work, right? And so, you know, in physician coaching, you know, mindfulness and well, you know, wellness programs it's been around for say maybe 10 or so much so years, but it's only now that it's really starting to like become common in a lot of institutions. I, for me, it's, it's really um, surrounding myself with other colleagues that are doing the same thing. And in the beginning, it was like maybe 10 physician coaches that I was aware of. And now it's grown to like over 150 in my program, which is amazing. And so we now have, you know, Facebook groups where we're all supporting each other and just like, collaborating with each other, coaching each for each other's institutions. And it's, it's amazing just to see what we can do with a managed mind, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> to come together and just like change the world. It really is changing medicine is changing the world one physician at a time. And I'm just so humbled and honored to be a part of the journey. Mm, so good. Charmaine, how did, how do you deal with mistakes and fear of failure in your business? I just want to say I love Sharina's example of the wound care, like that cracked me up, but I, I had a similar viewpoint just with like, I always thought about it just like when a doctor assesses a patient and gives them treatments, like they never make it personal when working in the psych hospital, if a, if a certain medication didn't work, like you go into rounds and you see that, you know, the patient's not sleeping with certain medication or whatever, they're still agitated. They don't take it personal. It's just like, okay. What's the solution? Like, how do we change this up? How do we change a treatment? Um, what could, what else could work? And kind of thinking about it, like it's an assessment, like assessing more than judging and just seeing everything as feedback and then using that feedback to improve the next time. So that's how I looked at it to kind of help me not personalize that. Yeah, but I think it's really interesting when we're, stepping out into our own businesses and we're the face of the business and they're potentially 
haters or naysayers or whatever. And so I know you, Charmaine, are very active on your Instagram and Sarah, you're very active and we're, we're all very active in our own ways, in our own platforms. So how do you all deal with the negative Nancy's and naysayers and haters? Like, I think a lot of people are, when we go back to the, the topic of perfectionism, are afraid to put stuff out until or unless it's quote unquote perfect. And because they don't want people to talk about their baby, <laughs> their business. <laughs> so how do y'all deal with that? I'm curious. I just want to say it's interesting because I felt like I got this training already in the hospital because something that's interesting about being a person who has healthy eating habits, you know, eating sugar-free and whatever, like I was already getting a lot of judgment just from the hospital setting. Like nurses were looking at me constantly making judgments or this is a true story. Like when we were in the med room one time, I was just getting meds out of the medication machine, the Pixis. And then um, there are these nurses behind me and they're talking about all the food they loved. And then when they see that, saw that I was in the room, they just stopped talking. Or whenever I go around the room and they're talking about food, they stop talking when I'm around. And yeah, people are just saying all sorts of things to me or kind of pressuring me to eat. I was facing all these judgments already. And I already, it was like training. It's like, I already knew that what they were thinking had nothing to do with me. It just had to do with their own belief system and whatever they thought about food. Um, and I just knew I'm doing this for myself. It doesn't mean anything bad if, if someone says anything. So, but when it's a business, I do have a YouTube channel and I feel like YouTube for some reason invites a lot of negative comments. I don't know. I don't know why I had this video that was out a few months ago and it's about me making steak on an instant pot and then it got for some reason it got like 4,500 views and I didn't do anything it just happened I don't know why and then it got like a lot of negative comments like oh you seem so stupid you don't know how to cook like you shouldn't be cooking and you don't know what you're doing but I just kind of like look at it and I'm just like you know I just wonder about them like oh I wonder what's going on in their mind why would why would they say that and then I just respond to them but if they keep pushing it then I don't engage anymore I, I don't make it anything about me Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I don't really eat steak, but I would like to know how to cook in an Instapot. <laughs> Sharita, you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I really do. When I was having my identity shift, my identity crisis, I literally hated Facebook. Hated it. Did not want to log on. I did not want to see anybody happy. Nobody. I would click, I would be like, oh no, let me just turn it. I don't want to see it because I was so miserable. I didn't like the contrast. I didn't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And so now that I've overcome that within myself, when it happens to me, when people are hating, first of all, I know I was once that person, number one. Second of all, I know that it's really something that they're desiring to do within their own selves. I mean, and I think we all sort of believe that we can't have what other people have, but we really can. Mm. And so I realized for me, when I was in my crisis, like if I'm jealous or hating on someone else, it only means that I have that desire. It only means that I'm capable and it only means that I'm very scared about it. That's what comes up for me when people hate on me. Like, I know they're going to hate on me. They're supposed to. When I was a freshman in, in band, I hated on the seniors. I was, couldn't wait to be a senior. So that's how I, I think about it. And I just welcome it. And when people hate on me, I try to talk to them and try to 
bridge a gap, not so much on the internet. I don't talk to strange people on the internet so much if they're hating on me, but in person, I'm just like, look, you can do it too. Like, come on, join the journey. So that's what comes up for me when I think about it. Okay. Does anybody else have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think for me, it's coaching myself, coaching my mind, you know, like why, what is, what am I making that mean for me, you know, in my business, right? And if it's good feedback, then take that feedback, you know, learn from it. And if it's not, I am willing to allow somebody to be wrong about me and that's okay. And living in my integrity and alignment with my values, I'm putting out what I think is good for the world and for my business and they can have their own opinion and that's okay. But yeah, it's just constantly like coaching yourself and managing your mind because you're always going to have haters, right? (laughs) You're always going to have people that love you and people that don't really get what you're doing. And that's okay. You can still be successful so long as you manage your mind. Yeah. So I'm curious then if we're thinking about the, the haters and stuff, like Sarah, you're very active on Instagram. I know Charmaine, you are too. What did you have to overcome to be very visible like that on a very consistent, this is me by myself doing my thing on Instagram. You get to see me in my kitchen cooking or whatever, or doing pushups, like whatever it is. What kind of mental stuff did you have to overcome to start doing that for yourself and your business? So much. (laughs) I remember the first time I shot something I was like this is so lame what am I doing (laughs) and then I did you post it anyway I did I was like oh well like here we go and then I remember like the second time I was totally terrified which is ridiculous but I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do a workout in my like bra top I was like terrified to post it and I was like why this doesn't matter like who cares like no one's really gonna care and if people hate on me like so what it's freaking hot out. So that's why I'm wearing a tank, like a bra top. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, what can you do is I just, I kind of just now like go for it. There's so much stuff out there. And I think, you know what, like I'm doing it. Someone else is probably doing it and maybe they're doing it better. Maybe they're doing it worse, but like, who cares? So. Right. Yeah. Okay. I love that too, because there was somebody in the Thrive Network Facebook group that I have that was talking about Well, it was really interesting. They were talking about judging other people's stuff, but really what it ended up coming down to is they were at the end of it, they were like, well, who would listen to me? And so they were really judging their own stuff. And it's kind of like what you were saying, Sharina, it's like something in them has that desire. And so it's so interesting to see us like say, so what? And just put it out there anyway, because even though that one person is doing something that may be perceived as better and somebody doing something that may be perceived as worse, like they're your people, Sarah, are just your people. They're going to yes. come to you regardless <laughs> because you're a badass and they like your flavor of badassery, you know? <laughs> Charmaine, how do you, or how did you get over any of your mental hurdles around being visible like that because by the way I saw that um, post where you doing the running man and you were talking about getting off a coffee I was like that was hilarious and so (laughs) I'm like okay that takes guts at least my my thought about it is that takes guts so how, how did you get to that place where you were so brave and bold to do stuff like that Oh my God, that was so funny. Um, so what, what she's referring to is um, I made a TikTok reel thing on my Instagram and I'm doing like a dance move thing. So 
So yeah, that's what she means. But um, well, first of all, just the frequency of it, like getting into the practice, because I feel like all the time when we want to post, it's like our fear of doing the post, like our fear of what people say is always exaggerated and it's always much worse than it should be, than it really is in real life. Because when you post, um, like really the worst thing that could happen is just you don't get any likes or something, but you're not going to die or whatever. So getting into the consistency of it. And then it comes down to identity a lot too. Just like, what's my identity in my Instagram? Like, because I know they talk a lot about authentic marketing and things like that, but it's just really like, who am I as a person? Like if you were to meet me in real life, like what's my personality like and how can I share that with the world and and not hide that? I was coaching, um, working on coaching uh, nurses for weight loss before, but when I was in that mode, I was a little bit more sterile with my posting because I felt like nurses had to be professional and we had to wear a white coat or scrubs and with a stethoscope or something. And it just didn't feel like it was me. So when I let go of that niche and I went into sugar free self-care it just has lots of colors lots of cookies and cakes and it's just more fun and bubbly and I feel like that's me so I felt like that really resonated with me and um and then I'm not afraid of just sharing who I am Mm, so being authentic so I'm sure Sharina you have something to say about authenticity (laughs) yes I that's one of my core values is authenticity but I have to share this one time I made this post on Instagram my very first Instagram video. Y'all, I swear. I literally was sitting in the floor shaking. I mean, I was shaking. I was like terrified. I did the video. I hit the button and I literally had to crawl myself to my bedroom to get in the bed. And I laid there for an hour. My heart was I mean, I felt everything in my body. My heart was beating. I literally thought I was going to die. Now, I knew I was not going to die. I knew this was part of the process. But I swear I thought Jesus was coming that day. I literally thought this is it off of an Instagram post. (laughs) This is my day. But I survived. So I'm just saying the first time. It may not be as traumatic as my experience, but I'm just saying, Charmaine, I'm going to check out your video, girl. I'm going to see what you're doing. Cause <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh my goodness. So yes, being authentic is everything. Just be you and, and it's real. I love sharing my realness and who I really am on social media, because at the end of the day, you know, I have to trust me and trusting me allows me to grow my business and make decisions also lets lets me know I have my own back. So yeah, that's very important. Can you speak to that a bit too, Nora? Because being a physician, I know just like a little bit what Charmaine was saying, like there's this, oh, well, you got to wear a white coat when you post and it's got to be all stuffy. And then too, where you are faith-based. So there are some, I'm sure people have thoughts about that too. So can you share a little bit about like how you do authenticity and in your visibility? It's so important. Like my personal coach, you know, she showed me through being herself and being authentic and talking about like her own struggles too, you know, as I was sharing mine, it just really helped me gain more momentum in my own transformation, right? Because you're seeing like you can relate. And then, you know, I've had group coaching too with other physicians from all across the United States and Canada. And so when we come together, 
it's so powerful to see your story and others and say like, you know, oh, me too. I struggle just like that too. And I yell at my kids too. And, you know, I'm tired at the end of the day too. And what about my needs, you know? And so I just really believe strongly that when you can be authentic, it gives the other per person permission to lead authentic lives as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're scared to do that, right? Because of what others perceive. I think the more that I'm in that community and seeing others and then celebrating that in others gives me more permission to, to really be fully who I am with others. And um, I think it serves the world better. You know, like who wants to pretend, you know, life is roses and daisies all the time. We know it's not, you know, even though Facebook and, you know, all social media, we all want to put our best foot forward, but life is 50, 50 and, you know, there's highs and there's lows and, and we can celebrate that and still thrive and be who we want to be and, and manifest who we want to be, you know, and show up in the world authentically and perfect and beautiful at the same time. Okay, so since we're putting our stuff out there, I deal with overwhelm quite a lot. So who on here has tips for me? <laughs> because being, a, being in business, it's not like you just come in and you do your doctor thing and you do your PT thing and you do your nurse thing and you got the front desk person and you got all these players in the game. You are, you are wearing all the hats. So how do you all deal with feelings of overwhelm that come up? Or do you deal with overwhelm? Maybe it's just me. Oh, okay. Nora, how, you do, how do you deal with it? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, again, it comes back to mind work, learning how to check in with myself and like, what is my definition of perfectionism, you know, and who gets to define that? You know, my husband is a really good sounding board too, because he's like, why are you feeling stressed or pressure? And he helps me realize it's my own pressures and demands that I put on myself. Nobody's checking up on me and my business. It's, it's my own, my own perfectionistic thinking and just for me, it's just checking in with myself and like, okay, what's the priority here? What's important? And, you know, just taking that first next step, opening up the document and typing out your bio or creating that, you know, Instagram post that you want to put out there, that Facebook post, and just like that next one step that you can take and just kind of breaking it down from like this huge thing that you've kind of over dramatized in your head of what you need to do and just like, what's the one little thing that I can do to make progress in that and give momentum? And it doesn't have to be perfect. Done is better than perfect, right? Get that one little task done. And so it's just reminding myself, okay, what can I do today to make progress into that goal? Okay. Who else? Who else has a tip for me? Charmaine. I do want to say something because I was coached on this recently with my one-on-one -on -one coach, but um, I had like this overwhelming fear about this task to do with related to finances. I'm still working a lot on money mindset. I had this overwhelming fear of like not wanting to look at my numbers and my bank account. So she's helping me with this. And one of the biggest tips she told me is like, you know, to close your eyes and then think about the fear when you do the task that you're thinking about doing. And then she said, ask the fear or ask the feeling like, what is it trying to tell you? And for mm -hmm. me, it was like, oh, that I have to organize my finances, I have to actually look at my numbers, look at my expenses and things like that. And then she said, okay, now imagine you going into your bank account again and you're doing that thing that it told you to do. Is it still there? And then I said, no. And then she's like, okay, then it's just really a matter of like looking at the emotion as a, not as a problem to be solved, but really just 
a message to be decoded. Um, that's what I learned from my coaching program and really just thinking about it as, okay, if this is a person or someone trying to help me or give me something or tell me something, what is that telling me? And when I use emotions kind of like characters to help me in my journey, even, you know, the positive and negative emotions as characters, I imagine them as people in my head, like I give them names and I talk to them and it, it helps me not personalize it. So I could just see what's the gift there and the opportunity. Anybody else? Yeah, Sarah. I do two things. So one, I'm, I'm a big fan of lists, which can be also bad, but what I tell myself is, okay, you have your overall list of things that you want to do, like, but you can't get everything done in one day. Right. So you, all you can do is what's on a little tiny post-it note. That's all you can get done in one day. So you just write down like your top three priorities of that day. And that's for that day. And that's, that's all you really are going to get done. And when that fails, then I usually go for a run or I exercise <laughs> and just try to work out that like, you know, like ah, overwhelming feeling. And that usually really helps. That's the point where you're just pushing too hard and you, your body is telling you like, you just need to, your brain just needs to like be free for a moment. So just go do something else, focus on something else. And then usually after that, I, you can come back and you can say, all right, I'm not as overwhelmed. I can actually think clearly now. So hmm. I'm going to try that post-it notes. I keep them all around me. Okay, cool. So I would just love to know as we wrap up here, what is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? It could be your younger self in healthcare, or it could be your younger self as an entrepreneur. Okay, go Sharina. My one thing would be that don't waste any time doubting yourself. Just go do it. Don't waste no. any time doubting. Okay. Nora. To really check in with yourself and ask yourself, what is it that you need? What is it that you want? To be okay authentically, you know, in, in who you are and, and just believe that you can achieve great things, you know, and it's just trusting the process and trusting yourself. Sarah. Listen to that voice in your head. <laughs> Okay, cool. And nobody else's voice. I got it. Yeah. Charmaine. Um, I think the number one thing is kind of similar to Shreena. Um, never lose that faith in yourself. Like trust yourself that you can achieve whatever life you create for yourself. I know that's heard a lot, but it's really just all about that faith and trust in yourself and never um, give up on your dreams. Oh, so good. Thank you all so much for being here. I want to just get you to tell us the best place to connect with you. So Sharina, if you tell us the best place to connect with you or follow you. Yes, I am at sharinatoday.com, like sharinatoday.com and sharinatoday on Instagram. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share, Tavana. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, this was fun. All right, Nora. I loved uh, today's conversation. So yes, I can be found at www.renewyourmindmd.com. You can find me there. Thank you. Awesome. Sarah. At sarahmikulski.com or uh, my Instagram is at Dr. Sarah Mikulski. Very cool. Charmaine. I love Instagram. You can find me on at sugarfree.selfcare or sugarfreeselfcare.com. Thank you all so much for being here. I know that your words of wisdom and your stories, they helped me already. So I know they will help everyone else. Thank you again. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. Yeah, this was great. Thank you.